that. If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find Matthew chapter 9. All right, Matthew chapter 9, that's very, very first book in the New Testament. So go to the middle of your Bible, head the other direction, go to the right. All right, uh, we also will have it on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. Uh, we've been in a few standalone sermons um, and, and that just means that each week we've kind of had a different topic instead of having weeks that are building on each other. And we're just kind of doing this for a short little window here. Uh, and today I want to look at the idea of missions, all right? And, and specifically, uh, kind of the scriptural backing that is referred to as the Great Commission. Maybe you've heard that before. Uh, and today's message, I'll give you this like right up front. Today's message is more about uh, awareness and information than really trying to stir anybody emotionally um, or trying to call you to action or anything like that. I think I've just realized over the years that like, when we talk about big things like this, uh, most of us, myself included, I need some time to process through things. Uh, sometimes someone gets up and they're like, all right, here's what it is. Okay, let's do something right now. Uh, and that really just kind of relies on an emotional pull instead of us saying, God, I really want you to, to begin to shape my heart. And change my heart. And there's a place for that to, to stand up and, and have a call to action. Uh, but today is just going to kind of be more about let's talk about this as a whole and allow us to process it. Okay. And how many of you guys like statistics? Okay. So everybody else in the room, you got 10 seconds to start to love them. All right. Because that's a lot of today. We're going to talk through some statistics. Okay. I, I personally love statistics. But um, so we're, we're going to open up with a scripture here. Uh, I'm actually not going to read the Great Commission scripture right now. Uh, we're going to look at that a little bit later. But if you are willing, if you're able, would you stand um, with me as we just kind of read this passage in Matthew chapter 9. All right. And then we will pray and continue here. So starting in verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. God, I pray that today, uh, maybe we would just kind of have a, a new lens that we would begin to view um, the idea of missions and some of these things through. God, that we would just be challenged in a different way. Um, God, that you would, you would just kind of begin to change our heart, even, Lord, towards your heart. God, we want to have a heart that looks like yours. And so we just ask that you would do that this morning. And we ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. All right, there, there's an ancient parable, all right, and it's not actually one from scripture. Uh, it, it does show up in a few other religions, all right, so you're, you're sitting there thinking, oh man, where are we going already? Okay, just trust me, you, you've actually probably heard this one before, but I love this. It's earliest appearance is around in, in about like 500 BC, okay, so this has been around a while, um, and it's continued to be used in the modern world and, and just about every culture around the world. Uh, it's the story of blind men and the elephant, Okay, or maybe they aren't blind, maybe they're just like in a dark room. It's kind of told a few different ways. But the idea is that people who cannot see an elephant at all, 
uh, start to use their hands to kind of feel the, the elephant in different places. And depending on where you are at, you will think the elephant is a very different animal. Okay, so here, I, I have a, like a comic picture of it. Okay, there are all sorts of options for me to choose from. I elected to go with like the Far Side comic version because I just love Far Side comics. I grew up seeing them on my, like, I can't remember if it was my dad's desk or like other people at his office, and I'd always want to go and read those. Okay, and so this kind of Far Side comic uh, version that we have here. Um, and you can see that depending on where they are, they have a very different idea of what an elephant is like. Okay, so the guy grabbing the tusks thinks it's like a spear. The guy with the trunk thinks it's like a big snake. The guy with the ears is like it's, it's big fans. The person grabbing the leg thinks it's a tree. The person touching its side, it's like this is just a big wall that's here. person with the tail, I've heard rope or paintbrush or anything like that before. So depending on where they're at and what their kind of, we'll say view, but they're technically supposed to be kind of be like blind or in the dark on this one. But their understanding of an elephant, depending on where they're at, they're not getting the whole picture and they have a very different idea from the person next to them. All right. Uh, there's some poems that have been written with this, all different like kind of languages. There's an English one. I kind of liked how it ended. All right. And it says this. It says, so these men of Indistan disputed loud and long. This sounds like people today. Okay. Disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. All right. And, and so why share this? Well, I think that as we, as we talk about different things, um, this has often been used to talk about religions, um, maybe, and people will say, oh, each religion maybe has a little bit right and a little bit wrong, and, and as Christians, we're going to have a different view on that. And, and, but then there's, there's other areas, even within the church, like when we open up the Bible, um, and, and the problem, and for my reason for starting with this, is that I actually think that, that this is a really great description of what has happened to followers of Jesus when approaching the Bible. All right. Um, each denomination, each church, like each denomination has its own things uh, that when it reads the Bible, it focuses really heavily on. And I'll tell you this, our denomination is not an exception to this rule. Okay, I'm not getting up here and saying, and then we came along and we got it all right. Nope. <laughs> all right, like uh, every single denomination out there has certain areas. They just kind of like over focus on different things like that. They think that everything should be about that. All right, it's, it's why there are people that are really involved in either, like, either political party, too, because in different political parties, they'll sit there and, you know, Christians who may vote Republican will point to some specific areas and say, this is what it's all about. I can find this in the Bible. That's what it's all about. And you have Christians who vote Democrat who will point to different areas of the Bible and say, look at, like, this is what it's all about. And both will say how that, you know, you could... How could you ever vote for the, the other side that completely ignores these areas? Because this is what it means to be a Christian, and we get like so entrenched in these. You know, it, 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 what it means is, is to protect life of someone who isn't born, or, or on the other side, they're saying to, to care for those who have been born, and they don't have what they need to live in life. And so you just, you have people grabbing different areas, different areas of the Bible, different areas of Scripture, and saying, this is what it's all about. And why can no one else see that this is what it's all about? And this is how we approach things so often. One denomination may, may focus very heavily on this big, unified, one church that, that all agrees because God speaks about unity. 
Well, another denomination is about discipleship and taking those who are believers deeper in their walk with God. And, and another is all about trying to help those who don't know Jesus to find him and follow him for the first time. Others are about like the social and humanitarian needs of people. Some are all about just loving everyone because God loves everyone. And others want to call out every little sin or every little thing that's wrong because God is perfect and holy and we should be as well. And every one of these statements, we, we can be like, yeah, that's, these things are true. But we end up just kind of over-focusing on specific areas very often instead of seeing the whole picture. All right? And like I said, this is not about, like, and our church has this right, and we see the whole elephant. This message isn't about seeing the whole elephant, actually. It's, Paul already has a great analogy where, talking about the body of Christ and essentially saying that all of these things come together to create the body and they complement each other and they, and they work together. And it's this whole picture. You know, and, and churches need other churches with a different focus so that we can complement each other. We say this often. I love that we have, we have these different churches in our town because I truly do believe, like, our church is not the church for everyone. Our church is not going to reach all of Long Prairie. All right, we need the other churches in town and we need to be able to, to move towards the kingdom of God together in, in the best ways that we can. And there's going to be disagreements along the way, but like we need each other in this. All right? And, and so I'm not here to talk about like the big picture. Really, I want to talk about the practical ministry side of things and, and not necessarily like theological beliefs that are different. Uh, that, that's a whole different thing, talking about the theological beliefs that are different from church to church or denomination. Um, but just the practical side of this. And today I want to focus on one area in particular, like I said, and that's missions. And missions can mean a lot of different things to different churches and different denominations. Some of the different areas people might think of with missions is like evangelism, discipleship, give, giving clean water to people, or taking care of orphans, planting churches, um, Focusing on social um, injustices, uh, pr uh, giving me uh, medicinal care to people, uh, relief and development, education, feeding the hungry, like all these different things. All right, and, and the reason people think of these different things is because they are finding part of the Bible that talks about each one of these and as it being important. They see what Jesus is talking about as as coming to fruition in these things right here. And that, and that makes sense. Like, I can see these things as Jesus describes the kingdom of God. And we see these as, as themes of things that God cares about for his people. And I think all of these, we are supposed to care about in some, some way, shape, or form. They all describe God's massive heart for his creation and for things to be made right. All right, now, and all of this is part of missions in a way. Okay, it really, it really is. And all of these are describing what we would call as part of the elephant of missions. Now, something to address before we jump into talking about missions. There have been some efforts by the modern church that I think came from, from a, a good motive and a good heart. That as they went out and did missions, that things did not go well and probably made situations worse. And caused a lot of baggage and really were not honoring to God. And, and so, I mean, there's a spectrum of this. You could go all the way to one side and talk about, like, the Crusades. Or we're like, okay, that was not okay. That was not good. That was, a, that was a dark time in the church history, okay? But even to the side of, like, a lot of American missionaries who eagerly went out to share the gospel. 
and, and I think unintentionally ended up sharing just as much of trying to, to put American culture on other people or even just an American understanding of the gospel instead of realizing that in each context, God does uh, present himself to every context, to each culture. And there are, there are beautiful things that God has already like put into cultures to just point to him. And this is a big part of missions now, is trying to learn about the culture and saying, okay, what is God already doing in this culture? And how do we kind of like help point that to Jesus? Instead of saying, hey, this is what you have to do. You have to have a church and you have four worship songs and you take an offering and you have a sermon for this long. If it goes over, everyone start looking at your watch. Okay, it's going to make the pastor go quicker. Like we try and like bring all of these like cultural things instead of just the gospel. All right. Now, just because that happens doesn't mean that we give up on missions. Okay, and that's why I kind of wanted to say that. I still think this is a huge part of the church and our calling. All right, there's something that we call the Great Commission. And if you don't know the term, it's what we describe Jesus' last words to his followers. Okay, the final thing he told them. It's recorded in multiple of the Gospels and repeated at the beginning of the book of Acts. And so I want to read it out of the book of Matthew. This is kind of the most famous one we usually grab. So Matthew um, 29, starting in verse 18, or 28, starting 18. All right, so Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. This verse right here. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is the Great Commission. That that kind of highlighted verse in the middle, that is the Great Commission that we talk about. Jesus' final command to his followers all right, so you got to think like someone's final words, especially when they know it's their final words, probably are decently important. All right, and what happens here is, is um, then, then we look in Acts chapter 1. This is kind of reiterating this, and he phrases it a little differently. He says this, Acts 1 verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's, that's the heart of missions. As the Apostle Paul did this, like as he went out and did what Jesus told him to do, we call each one of those throughout the scripture like his missionary journeys. All right? But I want us to understand that inside of what we call missions, there is a massive discrepancy. There is an unbalance that is there. There are some parts of this that are focused um, on by the church way more than others. So I want to take our remaining time and look at one specific area that's been overlooked and, and grossly under-resourced, okay? And that is the part of missions that focuses on people and people groups who have zero access to the gospel, like no access to the good news that Jesus preached. As a church, we support missionaries that are doing all sorts of different things, uh, and we have tried to ask ourselves, like, what is missions? Uh, what is a missionary? What, what stipulations are there? And not so that we can put a box on things, but just because we want to be able to kind of define things. Um, you know, is it someone who just tells people about Jesus? Is that a missionary? Because by some standards, I think like all of us would then be considered missionaries in a way to our neighborhoods, our families, and our coworkers. Which you can say that, but it doesn't work real well when we're trying to use defining language. And it also becomes super generic, and you're like trying to talk about one specific thing. All right, and so... 
well, what about people who work in ministry but aren't pastors? Like, are they missionaries? Uh, and it's a confusing question that if you spend too much time on, you're going to end up splitting hairs. But for us, we usually have three categories, and we say uh, you have to cross two of these, basically, and then that's what we call a missionary. Okay, so this isn't like we're not trying to be exclusive here. We're just trying to have language that like helps us. And so for us, we kind of talk about like the geography, the country, the location, uh, going to a different language, going to a different culture. These are three different things, and we say to be a missionary, um, what we call kind of a missionary or what we're going to use that term for, you need to cross two of these at least. You can cross all three. All right? Um, and so get it, going to a new language and a new location, that, that's a missionary. New language and culture, all right? But maybe it's still, like, situated close by. You might be like, well, what is that? Okay, well, we have what we would call missionaries, Chi Alpha missionaries at the U of M, who they are at the, the University of Minnesota, and they are reaching just specifically Japanese students, and we have another group that's reaching specifically Chinese students. Okay, and so we, we would consider them to be missionaries, to kind of embody that term. We also have other Chi Alpha workers that are there, that they are reaching just college students, okay, but that's going to be the same language. You could argue it's a different culture. <laughs> when you start talking, about, like, I, I hang around college students, and I'm like, I do, it's been too long. I don't know how to talk to you even. Um, a little bit of a different culture, um, you know, but location, like, it's still here. So we, you guys kind of following with me on this, again, we're not trying to be exclusive. We're not trying to be like, you're not a missionary. We're just wanting to use words in a way that we understand it. So crossing two of these three, all right? Um, now, within missions, and I'll even say within foreign missions, going other places in the world, you can, still have, uh, you can still have different categories. One of our partners we support breaks it down like this. He says you have the, the unevangelized, okay? And this would be people who haven't heard the gospel, but they do have public access to it, all right? They might have scripture in their language. They might have churches in their country, uh, they might have a large enough portion of their community that's Christian that maybe they could hear about Jesus from a friend. All right, then they have another category that they call the unreached. And this is groups of people who are separated by culture, language, geography, social class, uh, who are on their own. They will never hear about what Jesus did for them without outside intervention. Like they, they have little to no access there aren't enough Christians in their people group to effectively tell others. And we measure that by less than 2%. Less than 2% of that people group is Christian. All right? Um, they probably don't really have scripture in their language that they can just get a Bible and read it. All right? They might not have access to the internet, or at least internet that isn't controlled by their government. Okay? So they can't just, like, search something. There aren't churches that they can go to. It might be illegal in their area. So without outside help, without someone from a different group who believes in Jesus, physically going to them and telling them that they have no hope of hearing about Jesus. All right? And here's the thing. That might sound extreme. Like, okay, well, what, what group of the world is in that? Okay, the crazy thing is this group, the unreached, the people with no access, this is 42% of our world. And, and this, is a, this is a statistic that a ton of people do not know. 42% of the world, that's crazy. And we have both people, like kind of basic population numbers of people. We also have numbers of, of individuals, of people groups as well. People groups would not have, uh, they would have like their own tribe, their own language. All right, in some of these countries, we have missionaries, but they just, they can't reach the whole country of people. 
All right, like you can't practically send one person to go reach 200,000 people. That just doesn't work. So because people groups and tribes, like they, they don't care about our modern borders and countries. So people groups might be in multiple countries because they kind of span across the border and things like that. And I want to share some stats, and this helps me understand and attempt to grasp kind of the sheer massive numbers of this. And so these stats... Uh, I've gotten these stats from a few different places. I, I'm going to have a list behind me that talks about um, a lot of these stats and kind of where they're from. So these stats are defi and definitions, they're from like the CIA World Factbook, Joshua Project, that's a website that talks about this a lot, Barna Research Reports, um, the World Evangel Evangelization Research Center, uh, and then some other just like non-Christian things too, Market Watch, uh, Business Wire, Traveling Team, Seed Company, okay, all these different spots. And most of these stats we try to grab within the last three years. You don't always have completely up to date. So here, here's where I want us to go. 7.7 .7 billion people on earth. This is from 2021, so it's probably a little more than that now. 3.23 billion of that is unreached. 41.7. Remember, this is not like they just aren't Christian. This is no access. Depending on how you count, there's around 195 countries. But there's 17,443 people groups. So it's almost like 90 people groups per country. Now, it doesn't break down that way, but like that helps you understand how many are in a country. 7,418 unreached, no-access people groups. 42.5% of the people groups. Now, of the 3.23 billion people who are unreached, 3.05 billion live in an area called the 1040 window. Who's heard of the 1040 window before? So it's not a real common phrase. All right, it's talking about the latitudinal lines of 10 and 40. So you saw that. Of 3.23 billion, 3.05 billion live in this area. It's West Africa to East Asia between the latitude 10 and 40. So we'll put this picture up quickly, kind of showing the 1040 window. Uh, understand this, like those groups, that area, they have basically no chance of hearing about Jesus unless someone goes. It doesn't have to be Americans. Somebody who knows Jesus and is going to go to this area. All right, now here's the discrepancy that I'm talking about. We opened today with the verse talking about the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. And, and harvest here is the idea that there are so many people that don't know the good news that Jesus is sharing. All right, that's, that's the harvest that he's talking about. Uh, and, and the workers is the people that are willing to go and tell them to be part of this. All right, because when Jesus said this, when he said that line in Matthew 9, immediately following him, saying that the, the harvest is, is plentiful, the harvest is great, the workers are few, he sends out the 72. And they go out into their area, talking about the kingdom of God, praying for people, seeing them healed, praying and casting out demons from people. Like, this is what they went and did right after Jesus talks about this. All right? Um, and so that's kind of the definition of harvest and workers. So modern day workers, followers of Jesus, specifically people who are willing to take this seriously, to, to base their lives around Jesus, not just vocational pastors and missionaries, uh, but it, it does include that group. I want to show the breakdown of vocational ministry workers. All right, Christian ministers, not missionaries, there's 5.5 million supposedly in the world. Of those, the amount serving those who um, are reached already, like they're, they're believers, they know Jesus. 4.19 million, that's just about 76%. Uh, 
Christian ministers who are working with the unevangelized world, like they have public access, but they don't know Jesus. All right, 23.7%. Christian ministers serving the unreached, 20,500. 0.37%. Now maybe you're like, well, okay, but I remember your definition. That would make sense that there's not a lot of Christian workers and pastors serving in an area where maybe church is illegal. Maybe there's no Christians like that. Yep, that does make sense. All right. But I wanted to show us that because now I want us to talk about missionaries. People being sent to foreign countries to build relationships to share the Gospels. There's roughly 400,000 missionaries. Missionaries that are serving the reached world, 309,000. 77.3%. Missionaries serving the unevangelized, 19.4%. Missionaries serving the unreached, 3.3%. So like when we are sending out missionaries into our world to tell people about Jesus, this is the breakdown that is happening right now. So the places that the church is sending, like the places that need people the most, it has the less, the least amount, all right? Um, and so it's not even like balanced. We're not seeing like an even split. And I think a strong argument could be made that it shouldn't be balanced, but it should be heavier on the unreached, right? Like that, that could be a strong argument that's made, but we aren't even close to being balanced in what we're doing. Right now, we see about a 30 to one ratio. For every 30 missionaries going to reach people and people groups, we have one going to the unreached. The ratio of Christian ministers and missionaries working among the unreached, basically it's, it's one person for every 216,300 people. So if you're going to the unreached group, that's the amount of people you got to reach. How many, how many did you reach this last year? Yeah, like when I ask myself that question, like how many individuals in my life did I go out and talk to? I can tell you this, it was not 216,000. It was a lot less than that. The harvest is plentiful. 3.23 billion unreached. It's not how many aren't Christians. They just don't even have access. And the workers are still few. Okay, so that's the workers. What about, what about the money that the church is giving? Four, I, I don't know how they figure these things out. But roughly $42 trillion is the annual income of church members. Like in the world. That's a lot of money. $42 trillion. Of that $42 trillion, uh, 700 billion is given to Christian causes. So that's like when you give, you know, here at the church, whatever that's going to, whether it's like I'm, I'm tithing or I'm giving to missions or I'm doing this, 700 billion. All right. Um, we spend more on Christmas gifts each year than is given to, Christmas, to Christian causes. There's about one trillion that's spent every year, just, just as a little comparison. Of the 700 billion, 677 of it, goes to the church for like the church and pastoral ministries. That means keeping your local church going. All right? That's, that's a lot of this. This is 96.8%. Almost 97% is just about our four walls and what we're doing. 45 billion is given for missions, which includes kind of some stuff within the U.S., which is why you have an overlapping thing. It doesn't quite add up to 100%. For all you little math wizards out there that are like keeping an eye on that. All right, because there's some overlap in there. 
We spend far more on weight loss programs in America than we give to missions. Right, we spend over $72 billion a year on weight loss. Then $450 million, notice the change from billion to million, for unreached peoples, 0.064%. We spend more on Halloween costumes for our pets than we give to the unreached. If you want like a really, when I read that, that was like such a like slap in the face. I think they did that on purpose. Like it's like the dumbest thing you can spend. And I'm saying this as someone who just got a puppy and may or may not have been looking at Halloween costumes for a puppy. And then thankfully I'd already been writing this message and I'm like, I can't do it. I can't. I did buy some clearance toys though that were Halloween. The actual amount of money given to, to reach the unreached is less than 1% of all the money given to missions and less than 0.001% of what's given by church members. Last thing, there's languages. 7,359 languages on earth. 704 have a complete Bible. So le less than 10% of the languages in our world have a complete Bible in it. So maybe we previously thought, well, can't we just like mail some Bibles over there? They'll figure it out. Just over 1,500 have the New Testament. Now, in the last decade, translating has stepped up immensely. In fact, there's actually this one guy that started to realize, like this very wealthy, very generous person, and he got a bunch of friends there. When they started to see this, like he was a Christian and seeing this scripture translation, and they cut it from like, it was going to take another like 300 years to translate all the languages. And they have brought that down to about, I think it's about 30 years. Because they just saw the need and they're like, we need to, like scripture translation is huge. We need to give to this. Um, now, I don't have that kind of money to bring something from 300 years to 30 years. But it's still, you know, going back to what we said last week with obedience. Are we faithful with a little so we can be trusted with a lot? And, and I know this is like a lot of different stats that we have here. It's just over 2,000 languages still don't have any scripture, any at all. And we were part of trying to do this a couple years ago. We, we, we partnered with a coffee shop who was going to start working with one of their employees who spoke a language that had no scripture in it. These Christians over in another country that, and we just talked about it, by the way, they are out of the country now. Uh, the husband had been arrested and was being interrogated and they have five little kids and it was a really bad situation. Um, I'll try and tell the story a different day, but like it, it's a, it was a miracle that they got out. But we had partnered with them to try and translate just even little chunks, not by some theological brilliant person, but by a barista in a coffee shop in another country saying, you know this language, you just became a Christian, let's try and get something. And, and these stats this is not meant to be a guilt trip. This is meant to give us some awareness of the present state of things. I'm not following this with any type of an ask or an offering, all right? Sometimes we need to just hear things, be made aware of it, uh, and to sit and kind of process before we respond. Okay, it allows us to respond then from a place of generosity and from heart change and not just emotions. So that's, that's what today was, is trying to be. All right, now emotions can be good. God gave us emotions. It can stir us to do something big. But in the end, I would much rather have heart change in me 
than just emotional response. And, and so that's what, I'm, that's what I'm hoping for today in this, is that we begin to just process this. And this isn't about abandoning missions to the areas of the world that are reached or unevangelized. It's not saying that that's, that's less. Okay, pendulum swings are really dangerous. If we're like, all right, we're doing all this over here. Let's bring it all the way over here. That, that never works out well. But what we do need to figure out is how do we begin to balance some of these things? How do we, without diminishing what some of our current missionaries are doing, begin to raise up areas that are being overlooked? Remember the elephant. It's saying like, this is part of the elephant. This is not saying this is what missions is. But it's a part of the elephant that is just completely, utterly overlooked, ignored, I think for the most part, just, I think we're ignorant of it. And in this, I, th- I think we have some people who aren't following the leading that God may be putting on their heart because I would, I would venture to say that I don't think that just 3% of people that are being called overseas are being called to these areas that potentially need people the worst. And so it's this, how do we begin to process our hearts being able to change? The Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 15, verse 20. He says, my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I've been following the plan spoken of in scriptures where it says, those who have never been told about him will see and those who have never heard of him will understand. So here's, here's a couple things to consider as we close. And, and actually, worship team, you can come. Why don't we stand kind of just around the room as we begin to close this. Still processing, not, not calling to action necessarily, but part of processing is saying, okay, what is the appropriate response? What should I kind of be doing? All right, and maybe you're going to start to feel a pull to be part of the workers that God is looking for. If all of a sudden your family said, hey, we think we're maybe called to go overseas, you would not actually be the first family from our church to go and do this. All right, so take a little encouragement in that. This is something that we actively, we, we see people doing this and we, we've sent out pastors that are like, hey, you know what, I think my time here being a pastor is done. I think God's calling me overseas. You know, and it's just something that we, we want to care about. And so maybe, maybe you're starting to feel a little bit of that stir and you just want to get together and talk. All right, I'm not, I'm not going to like buy you a plane ticket because you texted me and said, hey, let's talk. Perfect. By the way, you leave for Iran next Thursday. <laughs> like some of us would be like, okay, I'm not. Like, don't worry. Like, it, it is okay to ask questions and to process and to walk forward well being intimidated and or scared. And that doesn't mean that everything has to happen like really fast and you have no control over it. All right, maybe you just want to start to actively give towards some of these things. We talk about something called kingdom builders here. We have a wall out there. It's got a pamphlet that's got all sorts of information about the projects that we are supporting. We got cards of missionaries that we're supporting. Maybe you're like, I want to be part of this. As a church, we try and focus a lot of our funds on the unreached. That is something we really try and look at as we do missions. All right, so I'd encourage you, pray about that. I think the biggest way to respond, though, is just to pray and ask God to give us a heart for the harvest. 
and that it would happen sooner than later. All right, because the, the biggest walk away that I want for us to have today is this. The harvest is plentiful. plentiful. All right, like th- there's no doubt about that. It's massive, 42% of the world. The harvest is plentiful. But as any farmer can tell you, the harvest is also perishable. The problem with statistics and big numbers and percentages is they don't have faces. They're just numbers. And I think for me, I want God to begin to work in my heart that there's so much more than just a number. That for him, when he sees 3.23 billion, he doesn't see a number, he sees 3.23 billion faces. How much must that break his heart? He sees people that are lost, people who are hurting, people who are without hope. And he sees eternities for each one of them. For each one of them. So I want us just to, again, this is not a, it's not a guilt trip. There is not meant to be any type of emotional pull. This is us just saying, God, begin to stir my heart for something that maybe I was unaware of. Maybe I wasn't quite sure of the the scope of it. Maybe I had heard it before and it just never really impacted me. And saying, God, would you begin to give, give me your heart for this? So I want to ask Pastor Aaron. She's going to come and just kind of transition us into a time of response here. We're going to move into a time of singing pretty quickly here. And, and I just want us to have, have an opportunity to just kind of think through this, process through this, and allow God to speak to each one of us individually. Pastor Aaron, would you come?